church. Amen. Thank you so much. Somebody just say fire. Fire. Say freedom. Freedom. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. No limits. limits. Wendy, you've been blessed tonight. Am I on? I'm struggling just to keep it together because I'm so excited. Do you guys feel something in the air? Yeah. And what was amazing is, was it Christy who said something about people being uh, delivered from mental? Just before she said that, I heard God say that that's what he was going to do. So, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Why don't you just say this? uh, Say, God brought me here tonight. God brought me here tonight. Because he believes in me more than I believe in myself. He's preparing me for something bigger than I know. I'm significant in what he's doing. I'm in a season of breakthrough. Breakthrough in my emotions. Breakthrough in my relationships. Breakthrough in my finances and resources. Breakthrough in my influence. It's increasing. (laughs) And I'll never be the same again after this meeting. Amen. I love the Friday night crowd. Because you're not here to, to get a check mark after your name. <laughs> you're hungry. And you're, you're either really serious about God or somebody serious brought you. <laughs> God's moving in our nation. You know... Some of you were watching Monday Night Football where uh, DeMar Hamlin was injured and it was, a, it was a life and death situation. And it was amazing how uh, even in our nation where there's seemingly such a, at times, an opposition to the gospel, it's amazing that when something happens, and some of you saw this, that all the players getting around in a circle uh, on their knees praying. They're, they're, they're calling for others to pray. You know, there's still something in America where we realize um, that, that we're, there's something beyond this realm. There's something, and we know it's Jesus. And, and uh, just 2023, we just want to say this out loud, 2023 is a year of breakthrough. It's a year of increase. It's a year of Holy Spirit power flowing. It's a year of manifest grace of God that's going to cause us to do things we never thought we could do. And what a, what a privilege it is to be in an environment like, like this. Yeah, Pastor Lynn and Renee, thank you so much for yeah, stewarding this and... 
creating a wineskin where people can encounter the love and power and truth of God. And we are, we are honored to be here. So much so. Yeah, you guys are just creating a whole culture, not only in your church, but your town. And uh, what I was sensing was that I was reminded of when my, um, one of my nieces got saved. She was one of those, you know, family members that you don't really believe will ever get saved. Anybody have one of those? <laughs> you know, it was kind of, you pray out of duty, faith. And uh, one day she, I mean, she was into, she was into drugs and alcohol and homeless and all of her kids had been taken away. And, you know, I, I really thought the drugs had done so much damage that I didn't think she could understand the gospel. And so how can you get saved if you can't understand the gospel? Until one day she called me and said, um, Aunt Wendy, I just wanted to tell you that I accepted Jesus as Lord. Yeah. And, and the first words out of my mouth were, how? Because <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it, it hasn't been taught in my evangelism course. And uh, she said she was sitting on a bench waiting for a bus, and she went into a trance. And it was just a big, it was like something out of revelation. I mean, she just came out of the trance, saved, delivered from all addiction, and has been wow. serving God for over, over 10, 12 years. But I, God just reminded me of that because I felt like God said that there's some people here who have some loved ones that you've given up hope on. They're the impossible one. And that this is the season that our faith isn't in our natural ability to get them saved, but that God can sovereignly move upon them and instantly be healed, set free, and delivered. And this is the year for it. I think there's a grace for that supernatural like we, have ne like we haven't seen since maybe the Jesus movement. I mean, when we got saved in the Jesus movement, we, everybody would walk around saying, it's almost like salvation is in the air. You know, we kept meeting people we had graduated from high school that, yeah, we got saved too. How'd you get saved? Oh, listen to a radio program, you know. It was just weird. And we're moving into that, and this is the year to just start declaring for those loved ones. Yeah, I, I bring my loved one for that, God. Just say, salvation's in the air. Hey, we're going to, before we move on, we, that was a great testimony. We, we love that. And how many of you like testimonies? Yeah. I love testimonies. Uh, it says in Revelation 19.10 that the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Every time we hear a testimony of something the Lord has done, there's a prophetic edge on it, which literally testimony means do it again. And so as we hear it, it actually releases grace for it to happen again. And there's going to be people in this region who are going to be sitting on a bus, was it a bus bench? Bus benches. <laughs> they think they're waiting for the bus. <laughs> and they're going to move into a trance. Just say trance. I like that. Hey, we got great team members. We're going to invite Angela up. She's going to help us with some testimonies right now. Why don't you give her the microphone? Everybody say hi, Angela. Hi. 
Are you Hello. blessed tonight? I am beyond blessed. Do you know what I was hearing about this church? What are you hearing about this church? God is here. God is in this church. Wow. Well, we're going to do some rapid-fire testimonies. And, and Wendy, if you want to jump in with one, you already gave a good one, but I know you got, you got more. Uh, Angela, here, here's one that, that I like. We, when we were in Weaverville, California, pastoring about 2005, this would have been, a woman on a two-week drug binge who was addicted to drugs and alcohol, someone invited her to church, and she was listening to Wendy preach. Nobody prayed for her. She got instantly delivered without anybody praying for her. She comes up to me one year later and shows me an AA clean and sober coin and says, one year ago in your service, I got delivered and here, and I've been drug and alcohol free for a year. And then I saw her a few years later and she was going to Simpson University in Reading to become a Christian counselor. The Lord in meetings is, is supernaturally touching people in the meetings that you lead or are in. Wow. <laughs> what do you got? I'm going to piggyback off of that one, the same testimony. At the end of this month, my mother is going to be celebrating 21 years clean and sober. That is powerful. Somebody say freedom. freedom. So we were pastoring in Round Mountain, Nevada in the 90s. I was not only senior pastor, youth pastor. We had a youth leadership team, and we had an idea. We created a top 10 hit list of most unlikely teenagers to get saved in the high school and put 10 names on the list that we thought were the most impossible people in the high school to get saved. Why don't we just laugh at that, by the way? <laughs> and we had one name at the top of the list who we thought was the most unlikely person ever to get saved in the high school. He gets saved, and, and, and what happened 13 years later, he becomes the senior pastor of that same church in Nevada. <laughs> Unlikely people in this region are getting saved. Yeah. Some are in this room, by the way. <laughs> Unlikely people in this region are getting saved and are going to become the leaders in 10, 15 years from now in this region. That's a good testimony. How many of you guys received that? Yeah. Come on. Oh, Jesus. A few years ago, my friend and I were reading Bill Johnson's book, When Heaven Invades Earth. How many of you guys have read that book or heard of it? There's a section in there where it talks about receiving um, gifts of the Spirit, and more, most specifically, he was talking about um, receiving the gift of tongues. So when I read that out loud to my friend, she immediately said, I want that. That took me by surprise because I didn't know it was that easy. And what happened? She asked the Lord for the gift of tongues. 30 seconds later, later, she got it. <laughs> wow. So do you know what I'm hearing, Steve? What are you hearing? I'm hearing that if there's a gift of the Spirit that you're wanting to grow in, increase in, want for the very first time, all you have to do is simply ask, and it's yours. Wow. I like that. Here's another testimony from Nevada. There was a rancher out there who knew nothing basically about God. He was about 50 miles from the nearest town, 
All he had for entertainment was an old satellite TV dish, the kind you had to manually move from satellite to satellite. It gets stuck on the Christian satellite. <laughs> How many know your prayers are doing more than you think they're doing? And he starts watching Christian television. He gets saved, delivered, and excited all by himself. And he goes into a, the local town, goes to a bar, talks to the female bartender. She gets excited. She gets saved. Eventually, they get married. They start coming to our church. And then they start a cowboy church uh, in the state of Nevada, having services every Sunday, setting ranchers and cowboys free. How about one more? One more. Yeah. There's so many to choose from. Uh. <laughs> a few weeks ago, um, we were in Pendleton, Oregon at a women's retreat, and we did a 25-person fire tunnel. <laughs> and there was a woman who was 77 years old. She walked through the fire tunnel for the first time. And she felt the power of God for the first time at 77 years old. The first time in her life she in felt? In her life that wow. she felt the power of God. I watched as she safely fell under the power, <laughs> um, encountered the Lord. She got up, walked to the side, and I sat next to her and I asked her, how, how was that? Were you scared? I don't know why I felt led to ask it, but I did. <laughs> she says, no, I wasn't scared. She says, everything makes sense for the first time in my life. Yeah, one of my favorites. We were, um, I think, in Texas or something, and we had been uh, teaching about the joy of the Lord and how to steward it and how it's, you know, the joy is our strength. And afterwards, we had our team go around praying for people, and this one girl just went out under the presence and just started laughing under the Holy Spirit. And we came back later, a few years later, and she said, when you guys came and I fell out under the Spirit and started laughing, she said, I was delivered from 15 years of depression in an instant. Hey, if you want uh, any of these uh, testimonies that were just shared. If you want any of those to be working in your life and your loved ones in your region, just stand up right now. I, I know that's going to be a lot of you. <laughs> Angela, just pray over, over us that, yeah, just the, the breakthrough, the hope, the, the testimony of the power and love of God would just manifest. Yeah, God, I thank you so much that you, when we release a testimony, if you've done it once, you want to do it again. It is in your nature to do that. So Lord, any testimony that has been highlighted to everyone in this room, I just pray that it would manifest tangibly in their lives, in the lives of their family members, their friends, their coworkers, the people that they are contending for, God. We just release hope. We release breakthrough. We release healing. We release deliverance and freedom and supernatural encounters right now in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Give it up for Angela. Wow. Yeah, I, I just, I know this has nothing to do with where we're going tonight, but I was just reminded in my spirit about 
I was thinking about how whatever you talk about a lot actually becomes your testimony. You know, whatever, because that's what a testimony is. You're telling people, this is what happened to me. And he, he said, you know, Wendy, every time you go to somebody and you share about your offense with somebody else, it becomes your testimony. And it means do it again. Whatever you think about, whatever you talk about becomes your testimony. And it just really made me aware of, oh, I only want to talk about, <laughs> you know, unless I'm talking to someone that can help me work through it, there's no reason to talk about it. We don't want it to become our identity, and we don't want to say, God, do it again. The spirit of Je How does that scripture go? The spirit of the, prophecy. The testimony of Jesus, Jesus is a spirit, spirit of prophecy. prophecy. <laughs> do you really want to prophesy into your future getting hurt again? What's your testimony? What do you talk about a lot? Yeah, you can't change your life without changing your words. I love James 3. It says, our, our words are like a bit in a horse's mouth and a rudder on a ship. And it says, so is the tongue. And uh, the tongue is the directing agent of our lives. Whatever we, we talk a lot about, we get pulled towards. Whatever you want to see more of, talk a lot about it. <clears throat> you want to see more tiredness? Just talk about how tired you are all the time. <laughs> you want to see more attack from the devil? Just talk a lot about the attack of the enemy. Man, I got to, you know, Wendy, I've got enough challenges in life, let alone having faith for the devil to attack me. <laughs> I got enough things going on. You want to see souls saved? Just talk about souls getting saved. This is, it's easy for people to get saved here. Just talk about it a lot. Wherever you want to be in five years from now, you need to talk your way there. Romans 4.17 says, God who gives life to the dead by calling those things that are not as though they were. And that's how the Lord does it. And this is a... This is a region that I see the Lord just um, releasing even a greater revelation on the power of words. This is a group of people here. I mean, Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And there's something even happening in this region. Obviously, there's a, there's a truth that... Death is in the power of the tongue, but the greater truth is that life is in the power of the tongue. Because the kingdom is not advanced through the absence of a negative, but through the presence of a positive. The kingdom is not advanced by trying to stop something, it's advanced by trying to release something. The kingdom is not advanced by fighting against darkness, it's by turning the light on. I mean, there is a truth that death is in the power of the tongue. I mean, one of the best things some Christians could do is just stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> I 
just stop talking. That'd be major improvement. And again, like Wendy said, it doesn't mean you don't share. Hey, I'm struggling. Pray for me. But we just avoid concluding statements. And in Zechariah 1, I mean, Luke 1, you got this guy named Zechariah. Hey, he's old. His barren wife, Elizabeth's old. Angel says, your prayer has been heard. You have a baby, miracle baby, John the Baptist, but here's my <coughs> Backland expanded version of that <laughs> chapter. The heavenly father's watching and he says to an angel, <coughs> Can you please bring me the remote control? <laughs> and can you show me where the mute button is on this thing? Because <clears throat> Zechariah, he just thinks he can say whatever he wants, whatever he wants, and it's going to have no impact on anything. <laughs> I can't trust him to speak around what I'm doing. Boop! Muted for how long? Until Not, the baby was born. Wow, I know. That's, I mean, that's pretty powerful that he had to be quiet until then. And even when the children of Israel took Jericho, they had to be quiet. Because God couldn't trust what they would say. It could abort the purposes of God. And I remember when Steve was writing one of his books, he kept quoting that um, scripture from Proverbs, what is it, 11, 11, no. The one about that you just quoted. Um, 1821, death and life is in the yeah. power of the tongue. And he would mumble around the house because that's what he does. He, you know, he's just talking good, to himself. It's good to mumble. Yeah. And, but he would only <laughs> quote half of the verse. And he, would, he just walked around saying, life is in the power of the tongue. Life is in the power of the tongue. And it really irritated me. Because, you know, do the whole verse. And finally goes, Wendy, do you want to know why that bothers you so much that he only quotes half of the verse? And I'm like, yeah, tell me so I can, you know, correct him. <laughs> and he said, because it bothers you that life is in the power of the tongue because you only have faith for death being in the power of the tongue. Because we, we, our theology doesn't really include the power of what we carry as Christians. And so we're afraid of that much power. And he said, and, and I know you don't really believe in life being in the power of the tongue because you don't talk. You don't say anything to bring life. You don't understand what you're carrying. And then he talked about when God created, you know, the world and he said that the earth was void and formless and chaotic and the spirit was hovering over that chaos and that darkness. And then God spoke the word, and that brought forth the order of the universe. And he said, Wendy, when you see a chaotic, dark area of your life or in a circumstance, you need to picture Holy Spirit's already hovering over it. It's just waiting for you to speak the words of life. For God to begin to work. He needs something to work with. But we're afraid of, you know, what if I'm wrong? Well, you say wrong things all the time. 
I used to say things like, I'm a failure, I'm, you know, not a good speaker. And he said, how come I didn't bother you to say wrong things then? <sighs> I'd rather err on the side of, of the positive. Someone say amen to that. Amen. James 3.2 says, if you can bridle your tongue, you can bridle your whole body. And, and I'm saying this because somebody in the room is going to get revelation on this. If it's for all of us, but somebody in the room is going to go to the headwaters of this thing. About, Say that scripture again. I just felt the wind If you can of the bridle spirit. your tongue, you can bridle your whole body. In other words, if you can control your words, you can control your life. It, it's, a, it's a rudder. It's a little member. It says in James 3, it's a little member that can start big fires. And it's talking about in the negative, but how much more in the positive? How, much, how, many, how many Holy Spirit fires can be started by people speaking life? And, it, you know, it's uh, both the devil and God need our words to accomplish their will. If something is going to happen, something has to be spoken. We're not going to have something just by saying something. But saying something is necessary to having something. I love to listen to what I say. It says in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I love to listen to what I say. Because it's... In, it's it helps me know what my beliefs are. I remember a while back, <clears throat> uh, how many know we're all in the school of the Holy Spirit 24-7? He's relentless. Remember a while back, I was saying, I, I have to go to the meeting, I have to mow the lawn, and, and the Holy Spirit said, Steve, <clears throat> I, I want you to remove out of your vocabulary saying, I have to. And I want you to change it to, I get to. Because have to comes from a belief system that you can't take with you where you're going. I get to. Woohoo! I get to go to Caldwell. <laughs> yes! I get to. I get to, because once you start saying, I get to, you're starting to attach faith to it. I have to is duty and obligation language. Yeah, that reminded me of, um, there was a season where I just couldn't get out of the, the scripture where um, the children of Israel didn't get to go into the promised land. And just before they were supposed to go in, God told them, I've given you the land. It's yours. And then they sent the spies in. They came back with a poor report. And so they decided, we, we can't do it. And God said, you know, the thing is, is we do that all the time. Because what happens <laughs> is... We think, well, if he's given it to us, why do we have to fight for it? 
And I'm sure that's what the 12 spies were, or the 10 negative spies were thinking. God said he's given it to us, but there's giants in the land, so we can't take it. So I'm like, oh, I do that with the promises of God. If he's given me healing, why do I have to fight for it? If he's given me provision, why do I have to fight for it? And when I was thinking about it, he reminded me of Ephesians 6, where it says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I realized, oh, he means this literally. The word of God is a actual sword that we actually begin to dispossess the giants that are preventing us from entering into those wow. promises. And it just it was such a revelation of, oh, okay, that's how we understand. Even though he's given it to us, we have to fight for it. And I realized that the sword of the Spirit is something that we have to use the Word of God over and over and over until we know, you know, that's why we're supposed to make declarations and talk about the Word of God so that when something opposes us, we already know how to handle that scripture. We come against whatever's been, you know, opposing us. And I actually feel like if you've never killed anything with the Word of God, you've never used the Word of God correctly. And we're not talking about killing people. We're talking about whatever yeah. is opposing us from our promise. And that just gave me a whole new love of the word because, man, if I want what God actually died for, I have to use the word of God as a sword. It has to be coming out of my mouth all the time. Yeah, amen. I love that story in Numbers 13 and 14. Yeah, Moses sends out 12 spies, and they, break, they go out for 40 days. They look at the promised land, and, and 10 of them misunderstood their assignment. Their assignment wasn't to come back and give a conclusion. Their assignment was to understand their enemies so they can get a plan. But the 10 didn't understand it. And this comes back, coming to words and beliefs. And, and so... The ten spies, they just kept talking about the problems. There's too many ites there. <laughs> Jebusites, Hittites, Canaanites. They said, we even saw the sons of Anak there. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. By the way, how you interpret your, how you see yourself will be how you interpret the world. I mean, we live in a time where some, some people, all they can talk about is the ites, recessionites. <laughs> political divisionites, <Yeah>. bad moralityites. <laughs> you know what's so interesting about that story? is you got two groups of people. You got the 10 spies, just say boo. boo. And you got Joshua and Caleb, say yay. yay. 
Isn't it interesting that two groups of people could see the exact same set of circumstances and put a different conclusion on what they saw? Someone just go, hmm. Mm hmm. So in, in reality, the conclusion that we place on something is almost always more important than the something. What do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that is, is so important because we're not talking about just being blind and saying, oh yes, everything's great. It's just that we believe in something higher than the circumstance. You know, so it, I always like to remind people, faith isn't blind, it's visionary. Faith means you see something nobody else can see because you can only see it through the eyes of the Spirit. Amen. And that's what Joshua and Caleb did. They actually saw through the eyes of their spirit that we can take them. They saw themselves differently. They saw the circumstance different. And that's why it's so hard to talk in faith and have hope because everybody else is like, where are you seeing that? You know, all I see is hopelessness. This is never going to work. But if faith is visionary, that means that we have to see something to have faith. Not a blind faith. We need to come before God and allow him to show us what he wants done. And see it and believe it can be manifest. And not just talk, you know, oh yeah, it's all going to, you know. Kind of a, a, a faith that, well, I hope so. No, you need to see it if you want to have faith for it. It's really important to actually engage the spirit of your mind. You know, I, I tell people that actually your imagination is the womb of the spirit. Where God plants a picture in your mind of what he's about to do, what he is capable of doing, and as long as we nourish it, it will begin to manifest. But it's hard to have faith with just, yeah, you know, I prayed and, you know, but you never saw anything. You actually need to see something. It's visionary. It's visionary. My people perish without a vision. If we're perishing, it's because we're not seeing anything. Right now, the Lord is releasing something in this room. He's releasing the sanctified imagination. The, the Lord didn't invent the imagination to be the devil's playhouse. <laughs> and right now, he's releasing a grace over you for your imagination to be into the hands of the Holy Spirit and to see, to see. I love what you said, Wendy, about Ephesians 6.17, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I love you say it's called a sword because we're supposed to kill something, and thank you for clarifying, not people. <laughs> In the Old Covenant, there were literal giant beings standing in the promised land that needed to be defeated. In the New Covenant, the giants that we need to defeat are mindsets. They're called strongholds. They're, they're 
There are mindsets like pessimism, disappointment, unworthiness, shame, discouragement, fear, worry, impulsiveness. They're, they're mindsets that we, we kill. That's what we go out, that's what we use the word for. That's what needs to be defeated. I remember as a young leader, I had no, I had no idea uh, who, who I was fighting. You know, I kind of had this idea, well, I'm fighting the devil, but I didn't understand what tactics the devil used. I mean, the only weapon the devil has is the lie. <laughs> I mean, he's the father of all lies, and the only way he gets empowered is someone believing those lies. I mean, all, all the devil has is a mouth. He's been disarmed and defeated. He has no arms and no feet. <laughs> Thought I'd try that out on the Friday night crowd to see, see how that, that worked out. I love that. That was that flopped. Or that was a, that was a, that was a, you like that one over there? First row likes it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I need that encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> but it, it's, he, yeah, where, where we find him. I mean, I didn't know. I mean, I've coached basketball and love sports and learned so much from sports and played basketball. And as a coach, I mean, I, I coach high school basketball in Nevada. And I, it's wisdom to scout out the team you're playing. I mean, that's a good idea. You know, you get a plan, you get a strategy, you get skills, but you also need to know your opponent. Because if you, let's say, you're coaching the boys' team and you coach by faith, <laughs> and you don't realize they got a seven-foot-two center. <laughs> time out! Time out! Time out! Then you just get reactive. You, you, you live reactively. That's how I used to live. I got this. Oh no! I feel this. I feel shame. I, I, I'm, there's something wrong with me. I'm, I'm disappointed. Oh, you know, and I didn't realize <laughs> that all those things were in the game. I didn't realize that that's that it, everybody experiences disappointment. If you feel disappointment? Welcome to the club. It's good to have you. Because <laughs> we all face it. One of the biggest lies of the devil is you're the only one who feels the way you feel. I like to laugh at lies. Let's laugh at that. Ha ha. Ha I mean, we all battle pessimism. We all battle the victim mindset. All of us. Yep, I'm a victim. I'm a victim of low finances. Yep, victim of how other people see me. We all face that. I didn't know it was in the game. I just thought, wow, I feel like a victim. That's normal. There's something wrong with me. No, it's normal. I get to kill it. Woohoo! I get to kill it with a word. Get to kill it with a. You know, I mean, Matthew four four says, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by." Every word that proceeds in the mouth of God. 
Every rhema is the Greek word for word, and that's the specific word of God that God's made real to you. And I live. The quality of my life depends on my identifying what I believe God has said to me. And when I believe that, I fight with it. I fight with my identity. God says I'm more than a conqueror. God says I've got a spirit of power, love. He says I can do all things. And all things are turning out for good in my life. Woohoo! I got a sword. Kill those things. Yeah, for so long, I was always fighting the circumstance. And when he had the revelation, when he was dealing with a lot of disappointment, and God said, you know, you will always have things that you can be disappointed at. Your real enemy is the spirit of disappointment. Your disappointment's a bigger problem than what you're disappointed about. And that just shifted everything. And I remember reading a story once about they were doing a study, and they had said that the, the average person, well, pretty much everybody, it's in their DNA to increase, either in finances or, you know, be promoted or get better at a, a gift, whether it's art or music or whatever. It's in our DNA to keep increasing. And the study was they were trying to figure out why, if it's in our DNA and everybody wants to increase who and what they are, why is it that such a small percentage is like, I don't know, 10 or 20% actually will ever move out of the same economic, social sphere that they were born into. So if we're all trying to better ourselves and yet only 20% of us do, they were like, what's the problem? And this is a secular study, and they came up with something that was so biblical it blew me away. They said the reason they don't move on and increase is because they try to do something different before they believe something different. So they're trying to be something that they don't believe they are. So they're actually internally opposing themselves. And that just, it was like, oh my gosh, yeah. Before I try to increase in an area, I first need to increase how I think, who I think I am. I have to believe I can do it. And if you'll spend months doing that first, change your, the way you think, everything actually then falls into place because now you believe you can do it. And that was so amazing. Like even with, with dieting, when we start, first started traveling, I gained a whole lot of weight. And I'm a researcher. Everybody likes to feed the speakers. <laughs> I mean, everybody said, Here's, we love you. Yeah. Here's a bunch Here, of food. Eat, eat. eat it. Improve you love us. <laughs> <laughs> By it's the way, so the food true. here is good. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so I'm researching, you know, how does someone my age lose weight? And I actually was convinced a woman my age can't lose weight. You know, metabolism and age and hormones. And it was like, wow. And, but I'm like, I'm going to lose weight anyway. <laughs> so I just went after it. 
couldn't lose a pound. Even though I was being very, very strict, hardly eating anything. And finally, I'm like, God, what's going on? And he said, why are you trying to do something you don't believe you can do? Mm. I'm like, oh, I teach this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew you were supposed to apply it to dieting? And he said, I want you to stop dieting and spend the next three months convincing yourself that you can lose weight. I started making declarations. I lose weight easily. I'm a fat-burning machine. I just look at food and lose weight. You know? (laughs) And everything shifted because I was in unity with what I was trying to do. I actually believed it was possible. And that's what, you know, if you're having trouble overcoming something, you may want to find out what's your true belief system about it. Do you believe you can? If you can't stop sinning, it's because you think you're a sinner. Say that last, (laughs) would you say that last? If you can't stop sinning, it could be because you believe you're a sinner. Wow. So if you believe you're a sinner, will you sin by faith? Yes, you will. <laughs> ah, that's, we need to just marinate in that. <laughs> that's a, I remember, you know, just Wendy when she was getting set free in the early 90s, and we met Bill Johnson, senior leader at Bethel Church, and they would send cassette tapes of his message. Remember that ancient form of communication? <laughs> cassette tapes. And I remember Wendy would listen to this same one over and over and over and over again. So it would get in her spirit. You can't, you know, even some, some, somebody's going to listen to this message over and over again. And, and it's going to get in your spirit. It's, uh, and I saw her do that. Sometimes she listened to the same message many times in one day. And it wasn't unusual five times in a day. Yeah, because this thing is, faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing. And in fact, just a quick phrase that I believe is, is true is that if you want to experience something different, you'll have to believe something different. The belief system that got you where you are won't get you out. So if you want a different experience, you're going to have to work on a new belief system. Yeah, I like to put it this way. The, the kingdom of God is not moved forward by good behavior. It's moved forward by good beliefs. The old covenant was moved forward by good behavior. The new covenant is moved forward by good beliefs. We're called believers. It should tip us off on what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes sense. The, the question of the hour is not, Lord, what should I do in 2023? The question of the hour is, Lord, what should I believe in 2023? That's the superior question. I mean, certainly what we do is important, but it's not as important as how we think in 2023. What, 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 Lord, tell me what to renew my mind with. 
And God's always going to tell you to renew your mind with something higher than what, than what you're feeling and experiencing. You got this guy in the Old Testament named Gideon. I love looking at who God used in the Bible because it encourages me. Because if I was God, I wouldn't have used half the people he used. I mean, Gideon had so many issues, his issues had issues. He's hiding in a wine press. It's a very dark time in the nation of Israel. They're oppressed by the Midianites, Baal worship. There's backsliding. Um, and, and Gideon is in a wine press threshing wheat. His goal is not to get his wheat stolen. His goal is not to move backwards anymore in life. And I've been there, and I get that. Some are in the room right now. You're just trying to protect. But you're not going to stay there. Gideon didn't stay there. You're not going to stay there. And the angel of the Lord gave him a prophetic word. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon probably thought, this angel is new to angelic prophetic ministry. Either that or he came from a great worship service in heaven and got overly excited and has overestimated me. Because <laughs> that word's ridiculous. <laughs> the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He says, he says, well, if the Lord is with us, why is all this happening to us? Hmm. Where are all the miracles? And, and he argued, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Again, I love to hear what I say. I love to hear what I think I'm not good at. I love to hear what I think is hard. It's great information. And by the way, he said that he thought that word was ridiculous. And the most important things you and I need to hear will be ridiculous when we first hear them. The most important word this region needs to hear will sound ridiculous. Because it won't agree with our past experience. It's higher. Gideon heard something higher than what he was feeling and experiencing. And even though, even though it, it wasn't received at the moment, it was what brought breakthrough. We have to hear something higher. That's why prophetic ministry is so powerful. Because prophetic ministry gives true identity to people and gives purpose to people. And gives vision. You know, and, and it's, it's not always going to make sense. You know, if sometimes we release words and we'll ask the person we're releasing a word to, uh, does this word make sense to you? Can you imagine the angel saying that? If we're only prophesying things that are making sense, we're not prophesying high enough. Because one of the main purposes of prophetic ministry is to break off people's agreement with negative past experience. It's one of the main purposes. 
it breaks off agreement. Getting our beliefs from our feelings and our past, prophetic ministry demolishes that stronghold. It's a weapon. And by the way, there's people in this room who are already prophesying at a high level. You're going to a higher level. You're going to a higher level. This is a prophesying house. This is a prophesying region. And there's people in this room who've never prophesied to people, uh, and, and you're going to have a high-level prophetic ministry. And people say, well, how can I, how can I uh, learn to prophesy? I say this, become the most encouraging person you know. Identify what people are doing right. Identify what you like about people. Speak it into their lives, and then ask Holy Spirit to take over. And you're going to prophesy and the Lord's going to send you all over to unlock Gideon's. Because what happened is Gideon didn't believe it at first. And then he, Wendy, he had, he had negative church growth from 30,000 down to 300. If you don't know the story, just read it. Judges 6, 7, and 8. Uh, uh, he had negative. And he and 300 people saved a nation. You don't need a lot of people if you believe. You know, and the thing is, is for most Christians, we're so busy trying to kill ourselves that we never actually live. And the Christian life isn't about dying, because Scripture says you've already been crucified with Christ, and you no longer live. But yet, we're still trying to die. And I spent so much time trying to die and get rid of stuff that I never became anything. The Christian life is really about how to live a resurrected life. Because it says we've not only been crucified with Christ, but we've been raised with Christ. We are a whole new creation, and the Christian life is learning what kind of creation am I? We have to ask the question, what does this new creation look like? You're a spirit. You, that, that's the real you. You are not your body. You are a spirit being in the likeness of God. And so it, it's learning to become something. And I had so much transformation when I stopped trying to fix me and just tried to become who he said I was. It's a different mindset. It felt wrong at first because there's that thing that keeps wanting you to think about the bad stuff that you want to stop. But it was like all that stuff just started falling off because I knew what I was becoming and I was so focused on that that I was stepping into it and things I'd struggled with for years just started falling away. I, I didn't have time for it because I saw a vision of what God was calling us to be. And when it talks in um, Romans about the whole creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God, I think the biggest revealing that needs to happen is we need to have a revelation of who we are. When we know who we are, we can begin to bring healing and peace and love to the earth. But you can't do that with a poor 
you know, self-identity. You are not, you are not promoting the church by playing small. Humbleness, you know, we tend to think, well, pride is thinking that you're great. That's not what pride is. Pride is thinking you're greater than other people. You need to know what you're great at because we need each other's greatness. That's that's what's going to change the world. When I know who I am, what God's called me to do, what he's put within me, the power, the same the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. What am I going to do with that? I am a partaker of the divine nature. Then how should I look? What should I be able to do? And when we do that, it's like, ah, yes, I have a greatness of Christ within me, but I'm not great at everything. That's why I need you. We need each other's greatness. And if you just try to play small, you're not benefiting the church or the world. Yeah, the guy who buried his talent in Matthew 25, it didn't work out too well for him. Thank you for those of you who are taking the risk to increase your talents. Arise and shine. Thank you for people arising and shining. This is a year. There's grace on you to arise and shine. By the way, something's happening in this meeting right now. Something is happening. there's There's a release of grace that is... It's being released. It's, it's way beyond you. This isn't human power stuff. This is, this is revival stuff. He has begun a good work in you. He's going to complete it. He's completing it. We're going to just um, begin to close this part. We've got a great team members, Peter and Melinda, who are going to help close the meeting tonight. And, and just um, some things that um, I was sensing as I was praying, I heard a few things. I heard that the Lord's, that doors are opening in greater ways into the educational system and into the, the medicine uh, areas, all, all things related to medical, that the, the kingdom is advancing in those areas and people uh, are, are getting a fresh anointing who are a part of those and new people are going into those I heard that. Can I just add to that? Yeah. You know, when he was talking about Gideon and the angels said, you know, mighty warrior, you're going to deliver the nation. I just, when he said that about the schools and the medical field, I felt like he was actually saying to those involved in that, ho, low, mighty warrior. You are going to be a deliverer for the field that you're in. And it goes way beyond that. Yeah, those fields. Um, someone who feels that you've got a closed door, and there's a door that you want to have open in your life, I hear the Lord that he's releasing grace on you to take your eyes off of the door that you don't want open to actually see where you do have favor. 
You have more favor than you think. And I see the Lord delivering people from frustration uh, from doors that aren't opening to actually see the doors that are. Mm. I, I heard that this region is an evangelist launching pad. This region is an evangelist incubator. It's an, and, and it's an evangelist greenhouse. That, that, and, and I see just evangelists getting launched out of here. I mean, and it's going to impact this region, but there's something happening here of people getting saved, radically saved. Just say radically saved. There's people getting radically saved in this region who are, are going to, there's going to be this whole thing of healthy evangelists, evangelists that do relationships well with leadership. Uh, who have given up their own agendas and their own hurts and their own need for preeminence and are going to be part of this evangelistic core group of people who are going to be part. I just see evangelism schools uh, that are, and it's going to be, it's an evangelist launching pad. That's what I heard, Wendy. I heard also that there's some who are going to actually increase their ability to see in the unseen realm. That dreams in the night, even um, trances, God wants, you know, when we get saved, we're not just inviting him into our world. He's actually inviting you into his. Ephesians 2 says we're already seated in heavenly places. We live in two, place, two realms at the same time. And if, we, if we're seated there, what are we going to do about it? What have you done with your seating? We need to see. You know, if we're going to bring heaven on earth, we have to know what heaven really looks like and access. You know, I remember I was going through a season where I felt like God said, you know, explore the angelic realm. And I was telling a friend, and she goes, oh, I don't need to hear about angels. You know, I've got Jesus. And as soon as she said that, God reminded me of the scripture where Jesus had come out of the wilderness, and he was tired and, you know, just needed ministry. And he said, I want you to notice that the Holy Spirit didn't come to comfort Jesus. I sent angels. And I think we have a fear of the angelic. And if they are actually sent to co-labor with us, then we have to stop being afraid of them. You know, I heard somebody say, you know, if a lot of people, they're afraid to talk to angels because, well, I might start worshiping them. Well, then stop talking to your dog. Because <laughs> you might start worshiping them. It just doesn't make sense. And why is it okay to ask, when we're doing a deliverance, we'll ask the demon what their name is, but certainly don't ask an angel what their name is. We need to embrace the two realms so that it can manifest here.
And that's when we'll arise and shine. Wow. That was a good tangent there. Man, that was a woo. <laughs> Somebody say freedom. Yeah. Say fire. Fire. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. No limits. God's doing something here. <laughs> you guys are good. <laughs> we talked about speaking, so they're speaking. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just thank you, Lord. And thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for nobody is here tonight by accident. Thank you for revelation and... Um, yeah, I want to I want to do something just a little little unusual for a meeting, and um, I just want you to think about what's the most important thing you heard tonight. I want you to think about it. You know, you might have heard a lot of things, but um, if you can boil it down to one or two things that that stood out, and because. We, we don't want to hear from man or, or woman. We want to hear from God. And I, I want you just to take, um, if, here's what I want you to do. 30 seconds. Maybe take a minute. We'll see. Uh, if you have a neighbor there that you can talk to, and just tell them, this is what I believe I heard tonight that spoke to me. And then the other person do it. If you don't have anybody by you, just talk to yourself. Or, or move quickly to somebody that you know. But I believe this is important just to identify. I don't want to just hear. I want to identify. So you guys good? Take, take, a, take about a minute or so. Just turn to a neighbor. Find somebody. What do you hear? Yeah, just make sure the other person has had a chance to talk as well. We're going to wrap this up, and we're going to, we've got a great way we're going to close this meeting tonight. So just get ready. We've got one more big thing we're going to release. Amen, amen, amen. That's, that's good. I would have loved to eavesdrop on your conversations. I, wanna, I want you to say something. I'm going to invite Peter and Melinda to come up. They're going to share something, a great testimony, and then we're going to release something, and then we're, we're going to see how we're going to close. If you receive the word so far, just say, I receive it. I receive it. 
I'll never be the same again. Something happened in me tonight. It was supernatural. It's going to increase. It's going to influence the nations. And that makes me glad. Amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise tonight. Yes! Give him another shout tonight. Yes. <laughs> hey, Peter and Melinda, why don't you come on up? Everybody say, hi, Peter. Hi, Melinda. Peanut butter. They are. Yes. Wow, wow, wow. These are their third-year students at the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in Reading, serving on my team this year. And what a blessing they are in so many ways. I mean, Melinda helped. We've got a five-month course we just started with Wendy called the Academy of the Unseen Realm. And it's, uh, if you like what's on Wendy, we, it's an intensive five-month course that we have, the best of Wendy. Where, where can they find that, Melinda? You can find that on ignitinghopeacademy.com. <laughs> yeah, and we've got a slide here we'll put up as well while they're talking, which is a slide of how you can connect uh, with us. And yeah, just uh, you guys have such a powerful testimony, and that's really what I wanted to get into tonight because there, there's so much breakthrough that, that's happening uh, in the room tonight, but there's a specific breakthrough that happened in your lives. What's seven years ago? Six, seven? Um, yeah. And can you s just share that or just maybe, you know, kind of set the stage a little bit? Peter, you're a medical doctor uh, and, and things weren't going well. <laughs> yeah, I was having a, uh, what Steve says, uh, I'm an amazing man, but I was having a bad man experience. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so uh, I practiced medicine for 13 years, and um, we, uh, we, we met um, 13 years ago, 13 years ago, and uh, obviously got married. And um, Did you know the Lord at that time? No. You didn't no. know Jesus? Okay. No, no, no. And um, uh, st struggled severely with porn and lust. And um, about seven years ago, um, everything came out. There's a whole story of infidelity. And um, really what happened was on this night, there was just a massive encounter that we both had simultaneously. And, um, and this, this, this really is a, this is a testimony of hope. This is a testimony that anything is possible with God. And the idea of limitless, there are no limits. There are no limits for anything that you're praying for, anything you're believing for. Nothing is beyond what is possible with God. So on this night... And what was, were, were you guys, and was your marriage in trouble on this night? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were, uh, you might say that we were in the pit. And uh, so everything comes out. So all the infidelity comes out. And uh, on that night, Melinda's lying on the bed, and uh, I'm kneeling next to the bed. And uh, I don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, I had been raised with uh, performance, right? You always find the solution. I'm the one who's going to find it. And that was a moment where it was like, God, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. And I don't, I, don't, I don't even remember saying God, but it was like, I don't know what to do. 
But there is this moment of surrender. It's like, I can't fix this. And the beauty of surrender in the kingdom is that it actually leads to freedom. Right? We always think surrender leads to captivity. You know, you wave the white flag in the movies and you go off to some jail. But in the kingdom, there's freedom. So in this moment, in this moment, I, uh, I'm sitting there and, and I don't know what to do other than I can't fix this. And, uh, and I don't have a grid or a language for this. But I feel something grab me by the back of the neck physically. And my head is in the dirt. And I see a hand come down. So I grab the hand. And I look up and it's Jesus. And you might say, like, how do you know what Jesus looks like if you haven't been saved? You know. <laughs> you just know. And uh, so and I, see this, I see this road. It's a narrow road, and it goes through a valley, and then it goes up to some rolling hills, and then into some mountains. It's a long road. And um, all Jesus says is he says, stay with me on this road. Just stay with me on this road, because I'll always be on it with you. I'll never leave you. And there was something so empowering in that message because there was hope and it was forward, right? It's forward going. That's what hope does. Hope gets you going forward. So at the same time, so and then it ends. It just goes away. And now, now I have my answer. I'm like, you know, to sound like Michael Koulianos, it's just Jesus. <laughs> That's my answer, just Jesus. But at the same time, Melinda's. Yeah, so obviously this was, a, this was a moment for us, but at the same time, I hear an audible voice saying, I'm going to restore your marriage. Now, I'm saved, and how many people know there is power in a praying spouse? So if you're here, if you came here alone and you've been praying for a spouse, you have a husband, you have a wife, and they're not here with you and you're believing for their salvation, let me just tell you, nothing is impossible with God. Now that night may have seemed like, yes, it was, it was hard. It was devastating. I was hurt, but God, God came in and God completely has restored our marriage and healed our marriage. So, so you, let me ask, you heard an audible voice. What did the voice say again? I, I'm going to restore your marriage. You heard, I'm going to restore your marriage. And he's having an encounter and you don't know about it. We don't even know what encounters are. I mean, I was safe, but we... <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know what an encounter is, but you're having one. And, and so he said, I'm going to restore your marriage. Then what happened? So we, we go home, we find a church, and the journey, the journey was long, but we, we had a little bit of hope. And sometimes that's really all you need for God to get to work. And all we had to do was surrender and walk with him, and he did the rest. And today, I can stand here before you, and I, sometimes I'll tell people what happened, and women will say, how did you get past that? And let me just tell you, God can supernaturally heal your heart. There's no residual effect of what happened. I've forgiven the women. I've forgiven Peter, obviously. We've walked a road of forgiveness. We've rock, walked that road out. And I'm just here to tell you that God can do anything. Nothing is out of his reach. So if you've got people you're believing for, even family members, sons, daughters that are going through this situation, let me just tell you, we were in a pit and God pulled us out and he restored us to even better than before. And we feel like we're, we're just getting started. <laughs> Give the Lord a shout of praise for, wow. Woo!
my, oh my. And it, just as you two have been, you know, even thinking of tonight, and I, I asked you earlier to share this testimony, anything particular that you felt was specific for tonight related to this? Yeah, I, um, and, I can, I, and I can say that uh, there, there is something that happens in the supernatural in these moments of healing and deliverance where um, if, they, if, there's, if there's anybody who is, who, who's, who's, who has something, it can be anything, it can be anxiety, we heard it earlier, it can be tobacco, it can be anything. And you're like, ah, that desire, it's, it's still there. And, and I'm, I'm doing the best I can and I'm celebrating progress, but I want that desire to go away. That's what happened to me. Desire is just gone. It's one day it's there, now it's not. It's no different than a physical healing of cancer. One day a tumor's there, one day it's not. It's just not. That's what's happening right now. So that, that's what's happening right now. And I love it that we just talked about beliefs, because it's happening. You know, when you said, Peter, when you said, I can't fix this. Did you say I can't fix this? That what you said? Yeah. When you said that, something happened in this room. Because there, there, there's things that people realize, I can't fix it. And when you just humbled yourself and, and said that, God met you. He met you. Well, I, I want to do something with that, but is there something else that you felt, Melinda? Well, I actually feel like if you're feeling brave tonight, we, we want to invite you to stand up. If you're, it doesn't have to be about what we went through. If you're just struggling to let something go, there's just something where you're like, I just want to get rid of that. I don't want it anymore. We're believing when you stand up just that God's going to break something off of you and it's just going to be a supernatural act. And then when you walk out those doors tonight, you're going to get delivered like we got delivered. So if you're feeling brave, I'm just going to ask you, stand up, if, even if it's anxiety. God delivered me from anxiety. He delivered me from depression. If you're feeling any of those things, stand up. Yeah, yeah just remain standing. So I just want to say something. As we were praying in worship here real quick, I was looking around, and I, and I saw the, the balconies. And I counted them, and I saw five. One, two, they're broken up. Three, four, and then five. And then I thought... This is like the pool in Bethesda. Five balconies. And the angels are here. And the water's getting stirred. And what you guys just did by rising, you're picking up your mats. Yeah, just... Um you're standing, just put your hands out in front of you like you're receiving a gift, because it's already happened. It's already, just by your standing, something powerful happened. And Melinda, just, just, just release a prayer over them. Yeah, just. God, I pray right now. Well, actually, I want you to follow me along, and in a, in a, we're going to break agreement with this thing first, and then we're going to pray. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit just to heal those places. So right now, I just want you, while you're holding out your hands, you can close your eyes if you want to. You're going to say, Lord, I break agreement with, and just say whatever it is that you're breaking agreement with. And if you're breaking agreement for someone else, just say their name. And say, I don't want you anymore. 
<laughs> I'm leaving you here and I'm walking out the door without you. <laughs> yeah, thanks, God. And we're just believing you're getting sovereignly delivered right now. So God, I just pray for every person here. I thank you for the breakthrough in their life. I thank you that nothing's impossible with you. I thank you for just restoration, for wholeness. I thank you for identity, just for what you're doing in hearts tonight, God, just for healing hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, God. Just say, I receive it. I'll never be the same again. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Hey, one, one more thing. Yeah, give the Lord a, just a, a thanks for that. Wow, thank you, Jesus. And we're doing something on February 10th and 11th. Yeah, we got, we we got another slide we want to show them. You guys are a big part of it uh, on our marriage. Do you have the slide on the marriage conference seminar thing we're doing? Yeah. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so we're doing a two-day online conference. So no matter where you live, you can join us. Um, Steve and Wendy Backlund, of course, are the main speakers. Peter and myself, we're going to be sharing as well. <laughs> we're going to be sharing as well. We're going to be sharing our full testimony. We're going to be sharing the breakthrough of what God did inside of us and get into more detail on what happened and how that process worked. Um, we also have Steve and Lorraine Box speaking as well. And then it's going to be two jam-packed days um, of just our whole team is going to share a message. And so um, if you can join us, it's great. And if you can't join, you can always catch the replay, but you go to info at Igniting Hope, uh, or I'm sorry, that's our email address, ignitinghopeacademy.com. <laughs> or they know what to do with that or QR you can, code. Yeah, you can also get the QR code. And if you and so, can't afford it, let us know. Yeah. If you can't afford it, we want everybody to to be a part of it. Then that other slide, let's show that other slide. You know, my dog Buddy, who's one of my joy mentors. You know, he's, uh, yeah, he's my joy mentor. When I grow up, I want to be like Buddy. He's got joy unbarkable and full of glory. I do a weekly podcast, weekly blog, and if you want to connect, if you want more of this, this message we have is not the whole pie, but it's an important piece of the pie. And so that, I think what, what we should do tonight in closing, I think we should do a fire tunnel. You know, uh, Christy, can you help me with this? And Because uh, I just think, man, give it up for Peter and Melinda, by the way, just in... Yeah, what a, what a testimony. 